So we're just kind of making our way through Romans, and tonight we're going to park in Romans chapter 10. Last week we looked at Romans chapter 9. Uh, there's a handout in your bulletin. You can follow along. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? That's our gift to you. And for those of you who have been praying this week for the uh, Honduras team, they made it back safe, and, and they got in at midnight. Yeah, some of them are in here tonight. You can clap for them, and I know pretty life-changing experience for many of them and and uh, my, uh, I was home with my with my son mostly. Uh, one of my children, one was on the trip, and and uh, somewhere about midweek, I knew I needed my wife. When my son looked at me with his dirty pants and said, "Dad, do you know how to do laundry?" And uh, that's that's how messed up my home is, right? They had no idea whether I could do laundry or not. It's like, yeah, let's just throw it all in cold. You'll be fine. So anyway. Uh, I'm glad my family's back, and thank you for your prayers, and you'll be hearing more about that, I'm sure, as time goes forward. Um, you know, last week was a great weekend, and, and uh, man, we dove into some difficult truths. The story is told, actually, of a, of a young photographer uh, that got his first large assignment from a national magazine to take pictures of a Midwest forest fire. And, uh, and so he went to take um, uh, pictures of this forest fire, but because of the wind and the smoke, he wasn't able to get close enough. So he called the magazine uh, that had commissioned him to do this, this photo shoot. He said, listen, I, I really need to get up in the air. And they said, well, listen, and they kind of gave him directions to a local airport. He says, you go to the local airport and there will be a, there'll be a small plane waiting for you and you can hop on that plane and fly over this forest fire and take some pictures. So he drives to the, to the local small airport and and right there on the on the end of the runway is a plane with uh, with a pilot ready to go, and he gets his equipment. He jumps into this plane, and he says, "Let's go, let's go." You know, I got to go take some pictures. And so off this pilot takes him, you know, and he says, "Now here's what I want you to do." He says, "I want you to fly over the north side of the fire, and I want you to just get a few hundred feet off the ground, and I'm going to take some pictures." At that moment, the um, the pilot looks nervously at this person. He goes, what do you mean take pictures? And the photographer says, well, I'm a photographer. That's what I do. We take pictures. And at that point, the pilot nervously says, you mean you're not the flight instructor? Some of y'all get it later. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, this photographer was enthusiastic and excited, and jumped in the first plane, and, and we live in a culture that oftentimes enthusiasm and sincerity are equated with faith. In fact, we live in a culture that if you're enthusiastic and you're sincere about what you believe, many people say, well, that's good enough. A lot, a lot in this culture think that's fine if you just have enthusiasm. The Apostle Paul here in Romans 10 uh, begins to shift gears a little bit, and I've entitled Romans 10, I'm sorry, Romans 9 through 11 is the wisdom of God, is, is God in his wisdom, he calls people to himself, to be followers of him. But Paul paints quite a different picture that misplaced enthusiasm, ignorance about what you choose to worship is the same as not knowing God at all. Being enthusiastic and passionate about a belief in untruths about God is the same as not knowing God at all. And so I want to encourage us tonight and challenge us tonight that our enthusiasm needs to be directed towards the truth of what God has revealed to us about what it means to know him. 
And so I want you to see that the first thing Paul says here in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, as we continue to move forward, is we have to have faith, but not just faith in anything. We have to have faith in the truth. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul says this, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart. Now, let me, let me back up here and give you guys a little context because this is important. Remember, we talked about last week how Paul here is actually addressing the Jewish believers because in the context of this church in Rome, there's this kind of this new thing going on that has been going on since the book of Acts. If you kind of want to see the, as the acts of, of the church and the acts of the Holy Spirit and the church is being birthed, there's kind of this new covenant thing going on. And so the Jewish followers of Christ are like, man, you know, what's going on? The Jews are not receiving Christ at the same rate that the Gentiles are, okay? And so there's some questions going on in the minds of most Jewish believers, and Paul is addressing that in Romans chapter 9 through Romans chapter 11. So Paul's heartbeat here, because he's Jewish, has a desire to see more Jews come to Christ, okay? And the saving knowledge of Christ. And so he says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be what? Saved. Okay, now remember, I want to take you back to the beginning of this series. When we talked about the word saved, I said, I want you, it's kind of like this church word that we use a lot. A lot of people don't really like understand what it means. And so I wanted you to, I said, I don't want you to add to the word of God, but I want you to add to your understanding. So when you come across the word saved, I want you to, in your mind, think about saved from the penalty of our sin. Okay. That's what that, that's the kind of the holistic meaning of that word. And so Paul here is saying, man, my prayer is that my people, the people of Israel would be saved from the penalty of their sin. Now, let me pause here for a minute, okay? And if you were here last week, if you're, I heard a lot of people like, man, that sermon last week melted my brain, you know? And, and we kind of dove into the mind of God, and we talked about the doctrine of election, right? And one of the, I had a lot of interesting comments this week, but one of the comments I received is, Pastor Sean, I went to a church that, you know, they spent a lot of time talking about terms in Romans 8 and Romans 9, terms like foreknowledge, predestination, and election, okay? And they said, the church I used to go to, because that's what they taught and they believed. They didn't have any passion for evangelism. They feel like if God is sovereign over everything, then, then, then you know, why should we do anything? And I want to challenge you with this. If that is your understanding of those doctrines, it's a misunderstanding completely. Because in the very next chapter in Romans 10, we're going to unpack tonight, you're going to see the passion of Paul to make sure that we're on mission, that we have a responsibility to teach and preach the name and fame of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting here is that it is that very concept that fuels his passion here, that God is sovereign. And so he, he opens with, and this is interesting, he opens with, I pray for my people. He's got a passion for prayer for people that don't know God. Now, this is kind of a side note, but man, it's also important if our theology leaves us with a, without a passion to tell others about Christ, it's a bad theology. If you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there should be a burning enthusiasm in your heart for people that don't know Christ. You, you should leave here with a burden that, that not every tribe, every tongue, every nation is yet a follower of Jesus Christ. 
If you're here this morning and you, or this evening and you stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, but your neighbor doesn't know that truth, you should leave here tonight with a burden for that neighbor to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, that should be a driving force in our hearts and in our lives. And so Paul says, man, I, I pray for my people that God would draw them to himself. And, and I wonder how many of us in this room are praying for some people this week that don't know Christ. Because Paul is in prayer. Now, he reminds us that enthusiasm, and this was like, I've already went on a side note, okay? Um, one person thought that was funny. Thank you. All right. Come on. Wake up, church. All right. Here we go. Uh, enthusiasm is, is not faith and truth, okay? Just because a group of people are enthusiastic doesn't mean they're right. In verse 2, Paul says, I know what, enth- uh, what enthusiasm they have for God. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the they there is the nation of Israel. This is a group of people that were enthusiastic for God, but they were wrong in their understanding of God as he had revealed himself. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected what? What's the word up there? Zeal. See, zeal is not the same. It's truth. He, he, and by the way, does that describe the culture you live in? Right? I mean, we have a culture that's very spiritual. A lot of people say, I, I believe in God. I mean, I, I believe in something. I mean, we live in a, we, we live in a, in a pluralistic world. Uh, we live in a, when a world, in a world where one idea about God is as good as the next. In fact, you're not even to make, in our culture, you're not even to declare another idea about what someone else believes to be wrong. Or you're the one that's intolerant. Correct, church? Yet Paul here makes some very bold claims. Listen, the people of Israel, he says, they're enthusiastic. They're passionate. In fact, Paul would say he was passionate. He, I don't know if you know this, but before he became a follower of Jesus Christ, he would persecute the church. He would kill people that called themselves Christian. He was enthusiastic. But even he would say, I was wrong about my misplaced enthusiasm. You know, church, we, we need to have in our spirits a, uh, an enthusiasm, but our enthusiasm should be for people to know the truth about God. And I hope you hear in these first two verses of Romans chapter 10, that Paul here, his heart longs for people to know the truth about the living God. He's zealous and he's praying and his prayers are specific. And he says what's important here is that people would have faith in truth. I want you to see this. That people would have faith in truth. Romans 10 verse 3 says, For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to what? What's the next portion say? Their what? Own what? Way. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Paul says, listen, is it, any old way is not good enough. There is a revealed way according to the scriptures to know the God of the universe. And whatever way you think it is may not be true, and it may not be good enough. Paul says, it's not just faith in faith. It's not just faith in enthusiasm. It's not just faith in zeal. It is faith in the truth. And any old way is not good enough. They cling to their own way of getting right with God. Why? Now, you know, here are the people of Israel. They're doing it by trying to keep the law. 
But we live in a culture, maybe we're not trying to keep the Old Testament law, but man, we've got all our own ideas about what makes God happy. You know, we've seen that in our culture this week, especially as certain Supreme Court justices ruled certain things. It's like, well, you know, any old way, whatever's right and wrong is good for each and individual person. What if that's not true? See, our issue is to pursue truth. Verse 4, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Paul Hermit says, let me, let me make some really exclusive claims. If you want to be made right with God, your rightness with God is found in faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, alone. Church, there's no other way to know God except through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to please God except through Jesus Christ. I love the song that we sang, started with here this evening, right? The solid rock of Christ is our only righteousness in the presence of God. It's our only righteousness. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved from the penalty of our sin. It is only through Christ that we can be made righteous before a holy God. There's no other way. This is an important truth for our culture. Paul's very clear. All paths do not lead to God. Paul is clear that the only way we will stand righteous before the God of the universe is to be clothed by grace through faith in the good works of Jesus Christ. And we covered that all Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. We spent a lot of time there. And Paul reminds the people of Israel, your zeal is not good enough. It is, you must have faith in truth. Jesus made this very bold declaration. Okay, by the way, we live in a culture where a lot of people say they believe in God, right? I mean, you know, it's almost impossible to run into somebody who doesn't believe in God. I think, there's, I think atheism is becoming less and less, and there's some belief in a God we're seeing in our culture. You know, by the way, did you know that James chapter 2, verse 19 says, Satan and his demons believe in God, right? And at least they're smart enough to shudder at the thought. Any old belief in God is not good enough. Jesus taught in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Very exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. And Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, which we had up on the screen when we were singing here this evening, they were stand, their lives were on the line as they were preaching the gospel. And by the way, the, the gospel, the word gospel means what? Anybody know? means what? Good news, right? What's the good news? The good news is you can't earn your salvation. Your salvation, your right standing before God has nothing to do with your doing. It has everything to do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Pretty good news, right? Your past doesn't mess it up, and all the stuff you think you're going to hold in front of God is your righteousness doesn't hold up. Your only thing that's going to stand is Jesus Christ alone. And as they were teaching the good news, the gospel in Acts chapter 4, they said this about Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You know, the uh, famous scientist Galileo actually got kicked out of the church as a heretic uh, because he dared to say that it was possible that the earth revolved around the sun rather than the sun revolving around the earth. 
And in his discoveries, the church didn't like that idea because they thought the earth was the center of the universe. And, that, and, and in their under, misunderstanding, uh, they labeled him a heretic and they were going to kick him out. You know how he tried to prove to church leaders that the earth indeed revolves around the sun? You know how he tried to prove it to them? When he went to their little meeting, he set up a telescope. And he said, please, take a peek through the telescope. And they didn't take a peek through this telescope. You want to know why? They'd already had their minds made up. You know, some of you here tonight, I'm, I'm challenging you. Maybe, maybe you've been attending church for a while. Maybe it's the first time you've been in a long time. And, and I'm talking about the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that according to the scriptures, according to the Bible, there's no way to please God except in Jesus Christ alone. And some of you have put up roadblocks and walls to that for many years. And I'm begging you, please, do me a favor. Take a peek into the telescope. You know, we're, we're so quick to come up with our own ways to please God. And I'm encouraging you, please, take a peek at the historical Jesus. Take a peek at his claims and the truths of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Please take a peek and consider if this stuff is actually fact. Please take a peek and see if what you're really staking your eternity on is true. I'm daring you to take a look because Paul says each person coming up with their own idea with how to please God is not good enough. What's important is how God has revealed himself according to the scriptures. Second thing I want you to see in Romans chapter 10, this is a beautiful passage of scripture, is, is the Apostle Paul says, Listen, this, this call to be right with God is a call to everyone, which is interesting when we think about it in the context of last week, right? The call goes to everyone. If you're here this evening, you're hearing the message of the truth of Jesus Christ, you will stand before God without excuse one day. You will stand before God without excuse. And this message, Paul says, is received by faith. I want you to see this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? What's that verse say? What's the next one? Lord, right? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right, let's tack on a little something there. What's our tack on? You'll be saved from what? The penalty of what? sin, right? Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. You know, in our presentation of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's two really key elements. Element is, number one, is found in verse 9, that in Christ we're saved or we escape the penalty of our sin. Now, in our culture, a lot of gospel presentations end right there. It's a very me-centered gospel presentation. Now, it's important that we do understand that, but what we get a whole lot of in our, many of our presentations is the focus of escaping from sin or escaping from hell or escaping from the discipline of God and receiving the blessing. It's very me-centered. The second part, though, is, is equally important, and that's the righteousness in what a person who's a follower of Jesus is becoming. That's that process we've been talking about called sanctification, right? We talk about declared righteousness, the doctrine of justification, the process of growing to be more like Christ, sanctification, and ultimately God's promise of the future, glorification. But the message of Christ is that the righteousness side of the, of the gospel, the, whole, the understanding of the character of God, that we worship a holy God in all that he demands— 
And it's understanding that our own works will never fulfill the holy demands of God. That's why we spent two weeks on Romans 1, 2, and 3. I, I sometimes wish I'd spent 10 weeks there. Because until we understand the holy demands of God and how short, how short we fall of his holy demands, that you have any idea of how much you need good news. It's just okay news until you understand the character of God. And so Paul says, listen, this message is received by faith. And how is it received? Well, first, we confess that Jesus is Lord. We confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, this is a part of the message in American culture that is so often left out. The message of the gospel, the message of the New Testament, never separates Jesus as Savior from Jesus as Lord. Jesus, when we become a follower of Christ, is our Lord. And by the way, the presentation of both must be present. Jesus is not simply fire insurance. Jesus is not simply trying to get us through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable. To know God is to know Jesus Christ is your Lord. By the way, anybody know what the word Lord means? Let me give you a, a little bit of a, hopefully this is helpful, okay? It means that he's your boss, it means that he has authority to be a follower of God and to bow a knee to Jesus is to say, you know what? You have the right to rule over every area of my life. You have the right to rule over my time. You have the right to rule over my entertainment. You have the right to rule over my commitments. You have the right to rule over my checkbook. You have the right to rule over my workplace. You have the right to rule over my sex and sexuality. You have the right to rule over everything in my life. That's what it means to bow a knee to the Lordship of Christ. There is nowhere in the New Testament that there is mere lip service to following Jesus Christ. Don't delude yourself into thinking that you're a Christian here tonight because you prayed a prayer, walked an aisle, checked a box, or did some religious activity. By the way, who is Paul addressing here? He's addressing these people that are Jewish. They were the most religious people on earth. They, they did more religious activity in a week than, than you and I do in a lifetime. And he says, don't delude yourself into thinking that you, you've pleased God because you'd run around and do a whole bunch of religious activity. If your corporate worship is checking a box, hey, I came to corporate worship, God's happy with me. I even wrote a check. And at one time I served in the nursery. That must be worth something, right? If your religious activity is checking a box, you have not bowed a knee to the lordship of Christ. Now, can those things be worship? Yes. And I hope when you do them that there's an overflow of worship to God because of the incredible grace and mercy he has given you in his son, Jesus Christ. I hope that's what it is. I hope it's worship to God. But knowing God is not, an, is not just religious activity. Knowing God through faith in Christ demands that he's your Lord. If you have more than one kid, you've probably heard your kids in another room debating, right? Arguing over something, and one of the older ones are trying to tell the younger one something, how to do something. Have you ever heard kids say this in the middle of a fight? Hey, you're not the boss of me. You ever heard your kids say that? You're not the boss of me. That's a great line. That's a, the truth be told, none of us in this room like the idea of someone being the boss of me. 
Some of you in your marriage right now, your marriage is struggling so much because you're running around going, you're not the boss of me. You don't get to boss me around. Some of you are struggling with the things of God. You want to know why? You're, 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 you're suffering. You're, you're sliding into temptation. And every time temptation comes, you, you, you don't choose to pursue holiness and righteousness. You want to know why? You're looking at God and you're going, you're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of me. You know, one of the great dangers and captivity of sin is I'm going to be the boss of me. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And Jesus and God in your ways, you're not the boss of me. And Paul says, listen, the beginning of, of receiving the good news of Christ is that Christ, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the boss of you. He's your Lord. In fact, the Great Commission, Jesus' final words was to go and not just make converts, but to make disciples and to teach them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. It's a way of your life that says, Jesus, you're the boss of me. That's what it means to confess Jesus is Lord. Paul goes on to say, and you believe, and you believe something very important here in Romans chapter 10. You believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Right? And why is that important? Now, we celebrate this, by the way. It's a, it's a big American cultural thing, and it's a good thing. I'm glad a lot of people come out on this particular weekend on our calendar year, but this is Easter Sunday, right? Where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that this is the linchpin of the message of Christianity. He says, if you want to squash Christianity, all you got to do is one thing, produce a corpse. You produce a corpse in a tomb or in a graveside somewhere, and Christianity is undone. It's ruined. This is the linchpin. Why? Because this is the power of God acting over his son and authenticating who Jesus said he is and was and what he's doing. 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says this in verse 14. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is what? Is useless. You just, y'all just wasted your Saturday night. And your faith is what? And we apostles, we'd be a bunch of liars lying about God. Why would we be lying? Because we told you that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead. Verse 16, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sin. Let me fill in the blanks. That means one day you're going to stand before a holy God who demands perfection. And you as a sinner are going to stand there and be consumed in your sin in the presence of a holy God. If there's no resurrection from the dead. And so Paul says, man, this is what we believe. We believe that Christ has been raised from the dead. And so he says this call of salvation to confess Christ as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. This call goes to all in chapter, verse 13 of chapter 10. For Paul goes on to say, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what, church? Saved. Saved from what? The penalty of what? Our sin, right? Saved from the penalty of our sin. I am super thankful that being made right with God doesn't have anything to do with doing. 
Now think about that for a minute. See, there's some of you in this room, there's two sides to the doing coin. There's some of you in this room think, I could never be right with God because of what I'm doing, either now or in my past. See, Pastor Sean, if you, re- if you really knew my past, I mean, I was this and this and this and this and this. Man, I've done this and this. I, I've got one or two or three mar- ma- marriage failures. You know, I mean, God, I'm a mess. That's doing. And I, you know, I've experimented sexually. That's doing. I've had this addiction. I've had this addiction. I've aborted this baby. It's doing. I've got really good news for you. Being right with God has nothing to do with your doing. It has everything to do with what's been done for you. The work of Christ. By the way, one of the things I've been hammering on over this, over this series is the importance of Jesus keeping the law of Christ. I mean, the law of God. He kept every jot and tittle of the law so that by grace through faith, the works of Christ are credited to your spiritual bank account by grace through faith. Isn't that incredible news? Good news. So there's the past part of doing, but there's also the present and future part of doing. See, some of you in this room, you're just a religious fanatic. And you're hoping your good deeds, you really do. You think, man, if I do this and this and this and this, I'm going to hold up my good deeds. And, and man, one day I'm going to stand before God and say, look at all that I've done. And you're hoping that your doing is going to somehow please God. And because that, that is your thought process, is you, you do not lean in heavily to Jesus Christ. He's just a tack on. He's not your everything. By the way, the song set that we sang here tonight was just so perfect for this. We sang over and over about Jesus being our everything, our righteousness, our hope. He's all that we have. And the gospel is not about doing, and the call is for everyone. And if you're here tonight and you've been trusting in something other than Jesus Christ, I can't encourage you enough that tonight is the night to get do business with God and get straight with Him by saying, you know what, I'm going to bow, and I'm, I'm done doing things my way. I'm done being the boss of me because I see where that's led me. And I bow in the end tonight to the Lordship of Christ. I believe in my heart in the, res- the supernatural resurrection of God through the power of His Spirit. And that call goes for everyone tonight. And that was the message of Paul. The final thing I want you to see here tonight is the passion that Paul had for the mission. Which again, this is really interesting stuff in light of what we preached on last week. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go get it online. Okay, it's a great weekend of worship and unpacking God's word. But Paul says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He says, now listen, how can people call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? And so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news 
about Christ. Now, this is really interesting. You know what's interesting to me? As I was unpacking this passage, God's method for leading people to himself is the preaching of God's word. Isn't that interesting? I mean, think about all the technology we have and all the things we have, you know, the, the way that God could have presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's through the preaching of the word of God and the power of the spirit through the preached word. And Paul says, listen, no one's going to call on God unless they first believe. And no one's going to believe in God unless they first hear. And, and no one's going to hear about God unless someone tells them. And no, no one's going to tell them about God unless somebody is sent or somebody actually goes and somebody actually does something. So let's take this in reverse order, okay? Let's reverse Paul's order here. Paul says in reverse order, that means we need to be willing to be sent. And he's passionate about this. And, he, and then we need to be willing to tell others so that they can hear and so they can believe, and so they can call on the name of Christ. Church, I tell you each and every week, I try to remind you at least regularly, okay? When you go out of these doors, you're on mission. You're on mission. When you go out of these doors, you have to have the eyes of the Apostle Paul who says, listen, we're on mission. We're looking for opportunity to serve people so that they can call on the name of Christ. Jesus Christ is people's only hope to have right standing before God. That's why I encourage you to have in your Bible, on the dashboard of your car, on your refrigerator, in your mirror, somewhere, what I like to call a reach three card, right? I have one in my Bible with three names of people that, to my knowledge, don't know Jesus. And I just pray for them every single day. Every day. Just like Paul did in 10, 10 verse 1. I'm praying for my people. Church, it's important that we feel the gravity and the weight of the mission so that the gospel of Christ is spread. At Coastal, it's a small thing, but one of the things we believe in here, we make sure that 10 cents of every dollar goes out of here to mission, to be the hands and feet of Christ. You know, we just sent 20-some people to Honduras just to, just to go love on people, right? And it changed their lives. Let me tell you something. I can almost guarantee you their lives are more changed than the lives that they, changed, they touched. Why? Because we have to go. Because people have to be told. One of my prayers for Coastal my prayer is not just that we come in here week in and week out and sing some cool songs, you know, that sound good and the band's tight. And man, that was a great song, a real toe tapper. We hear a couple good messages, although I hope the messages are good and they grip your heart and they change your heart and they change your life. I mean, I hope it's a lot more than that. I hope we leave here and go, you know what, I'm on mission because people can't believe. People are not going to call on God unless we go. That's the starting point. Unless I understand that I'm on mission. My prayer for Coastal is that we're raising up a generation of pastors. I hope there's a whole new generation of pastors coming through Coastal Community Church. My prayer is that we're raising up a, a whole new generation of missionaries. I hope some of you come and say, you know what? God is calling me to go to another culture. So that every tribe, tongue, and nation will hear the message of Christ. 
Parents, I'm going to tell you, some of you, your children are going to come through the student ministry of Coastal, and they're going to come home one day, and they're going to say, you know what, I, I, think, I, think, I think God might be calling me into ministry. You know, I, I think God might be calling me to become a missionary. Parents, let me urge you, when that moment happens, that is the working of the God of the universe. Dare not say to them, well, there's no money in that. That's not how you want to make your living. That might be the working of God. We, be, we better be really careful. We're not squelching the work of God. Because Paul said, we got to go so that they can hear. And so when they hear, they can believe. And so that when they believe, they can call on the name of Christ. Their only hope for right standing, your only hope for right standing before a holy God. And here's what I find interesting is verse 15, which is a quotation of Isaiah, actually, where Paul says, And how will anyone go to tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, and again, he's quoting Isaiah, he says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. You want to know what sticks out to me there? It's the word feet. I mean, is there really an uglier part of the human body than feet, right? I, I remember when I was uh, in middle school, I, I've always had really big feet. So those of you in here with big feet, like I, I empathize with you, right? I was made fun of, you know, and I was, you know, anyway, I've always just hated my feet, right? Just nasty. And uh, they look nasty. They don't smell good, you know. It's just nothing good about feet, you know. Yet Paul here says, how beautiful are the feet. Why feet? I mean, didn't you just talk about preaching and hearing? Why not the mouth? Right? In fact, the, the funny thing is we went out into our culture, we asked a lot of people, you know, what's your first inclination of the church? A lot of people say, well, there's just one big mouth. They're always, they're quick to tell us what they're against, right? You know what I love about feet here? You got to leave your comfort zone. Feet is about you. Feet. It's it's easy to move your lips. We're against that. We don't like that. Feet is about service, first. Feet is about you getting up and going to someone. And by the way, we do that a little bit too, don't we? Well, I wonder why they ain't coming to church. Why ain't they coming in here? Because our feet are not moving oftentimes. Feet is ultimately about sacrificial love. There's some of you in this room this evening whose feet need to go reestablish a relationship with a mom or dad. Right? There's some of you in this room this evening whose feet need to go reestablish a relationship with a son or daughter. And just start with love. There's some of you in this room, next time Coastal plans a missions trip, your feet need to get beat a path to be a part of that missions trip. There's some of you in this room whose feet need to get up and start serving right here in the community. We offer many missions right here in the community where we serve people first. 
Some of you in this room, these feet need to beat a path to a roommate and say, hey, you know what, I, I just need to make some amends. I need to reestablish a relationship. There's some of you in this room whose feet need to go serve a neighbor. I'll tell you what, you, you put them on the Reach 3 card and start praying for them, and all of a sudden you're going to have opportunity to move your feet and serve them. There's some of you in this room whose feet need to serve a client or an employer or a boss. Because Paul says, how beautiful, I'm going to add a few words here. How beautiful is the one who actively and intentionally brings the message of hope and good news to others. Church, you're on mission this week. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this group of people tonight. And God, I pray that we would leave here this week and not just be a people that, man, that was a great message, that was great music. I got something out of that. I didn't get something out of that. I pray that we'd be a people whose feet leave here and are on, and are on mission this week. Because it's repeated twice in the Bible. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And help us to be a people whose feet are intentionally moving. Because Paul asks a really important question. How how are they going to call on you? And how are they going to believe in you? How are they going to believe unless someone hears? And how are they going to hear unless someone goes and tells them? And how is someone going to go and tell them unless somebody's sent? God, put our feet in motion to bring the good news of Christ. And going back to last week, God, it gives me such comfort to know that you, God, sovereignly move with us to call your children home to you. So help us not to be stagnant, God. Help us not to try to go through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable. But might our feet move to bring the message of Christ to others. Burden us with that message, God. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time. And um, if you're a guest with us this evening, I want you to know we're not after your money. This is one of the ways we worship God at Coastal. If you'd like to join us in that, you're welcome, but don't feel any obligation to give. Um, one of the things as a visitor or as a guest, one of the things we'd love to have from you is inside that bulletin is that connect card. If you would just fill that out and we want to mail you a thank you card for coming. And uh, if you have any prayer requests, we have a great prayer ministry at Coastal, and that's another great way to communicate with us. Joey.